Welcome to the National Vaccine Information Center's podcast series, Vaccination, Politics, Money, and Media Bias. These podcasts are from previously recorded commentaries, articles, and presentations produced by MVIC, a charitable nonprofit organization. I'm Barbara Lowe Fisher. My son was injured by DPT vaccine in 1980, and this is a reference commentary brought to you by the nonprofit National Vaccine Information Center that can be read on NVIC.org. On July 4, 2023, it will have been 247 years since the Declaration of Independence was drafted by Thomas Jefferson and signed by delegates of 13 American colonies formally declaring independence from political control by the King of England. Light and liberty go together, said Jefferson. And in his final letter to John Adams before he and Adams both died on July 4, 1826, Jefferson predicted that no despot or tyrannical empire in the future would be able to crush the human spirit of resistance that guards liberty. A fierce proponent of individual rights, Jefferson said, quote, the flames kindled on the 4th of July, 1776, have spread over too much of the globe to be extinguished by the feeble engines of despotism. On the contrary, they will consume these engines and all who work them, end of quote. Was Jefferson's prediction right? Or as one of the earliest and most influential proponents of smallpox inoculation, could he never have imagined that the scientific and medical professions he loved so well would one day forge lucrative global business partnerships with industry and government and create a public health empire that has become a much greater threat to liberty than the monarchy he and his fellow revolutionaries rebelled against in 1776. After my son was injured in 1980 by the crude, toxic, wholesale pertussis vaccine and DPT shots, I joined with other parents of DPT vaccine injured children in 1982 to establish the charity known today as the National Vaccine Information Center with the mission of preventing vaccine injuries and deaths through public education. We have defended the legal right to make voluntary decisions about vaccination for 41 years. Since then, I have watched the public health empire grow and use no exceptions vaccination laws as the tip of the spear in the great culture war gripping this and other nations around the world. It is an ideological and political war that has been going on since the 19th century pitting those who believe in the right to autonomy and liberty against those who believe in centralized authoritarian government control. How it ends will define what freedom means for human populations around the world during this and many centuries to come. What is at stake is whether or not our physical body, which houses our mind and soul, will continue to be re regulated, altered, and used without our voluntary consent to achieve goals pursued by national governments, or as some are predicting, a future one world government. The most vocal proponents of forced vaccination have always filled the ranks of professions that require possession of an advanced academic degree, such as an MD, PhD, JD, or other honorific title that automatically confers an elevated status in society with all the respect economic and social class benefits that come along with that privilege. 
unlike in the 18th century, when the American colonies fought for freedom from a king. Power in Western societies is no longer wielded by kings and queens and other aristocratic members of hereditary monarchies. Today, power in most societies with representative democratic governments and constitutional republics is wielded by a new aristocracy, a spider web of highly paid science, medical, legal, and business experts with big titles working for governments and pharmaceutical, medical trade, big tech, military industrial, corporate media, banking, and other institutions. Politicians often rely upon these titled experts, like Dr. Anthony Fauci, to tell them what to believe and do, especially when they fly under the science flag and declare a public health emergency. And having the power to make laws that govern the rest of us, politicians are quick to exercise that power when fear of the unknown interferes with rational thinking. One of the most primal fears is fear of death. And the science experts calling the shots in government health agencies and at the United Nations, especially the World Health Organization, along with their big pharma, big tech, and other big money partners, know that. When they declared a COVID pandemic emergency in the winter of 2020, they used fear of death and their expert status as weapons to persuade people to abandon rational thinking, believe the unbelievable, and give up liberty for the illusion of safety. During partial or complete lockdowns, at least 4.5 billion people in over 100 countries, including 310 million Americans in 43 states, were suddenly ordered to hide in their homes. We were told to restrict our breathing with paper and plastic masks, even children as young as two, and to stay six feet away from others if we entered a public space. In a state of shock, we saw police taser the unmasked and dispatch drones to force people indoors. We watched politicians close restaurants, stores, gyms, parks, theaters, churches, and schools, which led to isolation, mental illness, and economic ruin. We grieved with the families blocked from holding the hands of their loved ones dying in retirement and nursing homes and for the elderly who died in hospitals after they were automatically put on ventilators that killed most of them. We felt powerless when government health officials told doctors they could not repurpose already licensed drugs like ivermectin to prevent COVID complications or help heal the sick. But the biggest weapon used during the height of COVID hysteria was a very old one, one that has been around for more than 200 years warning that, quote, nobody is safe until everyone is safe. The experts in charge of the United Nations World Health Organization and in government health agencies ordered every human in the world to be injected with a pharmaceutical product called a vaccine, a product sold for profit that can injure, kill, or fail to work as advertised. People were tracked, coerced, and ultimately, many were forced to get vaccinated or face severe consequences. No shots, no school. No shots, no medical care. No shots, no job. No shots, no travel. No shots, no life. The vaccinators ruled with an iron fist. According to the New York Times, 
More than 72% of the world's population, some 5.5 billion people, which reportedly included about 80% of the U.S. population, got at least one COVID shot, a biological product that has racked up more than 1.5 million adverse event reports in the U.S. alone. The vaccinators, those individuals who make, sell, license, recommend, administer, promote, and mandate pharmaceutical products called vaccines have been around for as long as the United States of America. The most famous vaccinator who is credited with inventing the concept of vaccination was an 18th century medical doctor living in England, Edward Jenner. As urban legend would have it, in 1796, Dr. Jenner took pus from, from a cowpox lesion on the skin of a milkmaid and scratched it into the arm of a healthy child in hopes that a milder cowpox infection would protect against serious cases of smallpox. It was an experimental practice that several other doctors in England had been doing for years. By the end of the 18th century, smallpox was already naturally declining in severity in, in London, but it could still kill between 10 and 30% and leave many scarred with pockmarks. Jenner and the other doctors infecting healthy children with an animal disease to prevent a human disease did not know exactly what would happen to the children they experimented on. They didn't know anything about what it would do to the body of an individual child at the cellular and molecular level, whether it would cause acute reactions or uncontrolled inflammation in the body and alter immune heart or brain function or affect chromosomal integrity. After all, medical doctors in 1796 were still ritualistically bleeding and purging people sick with smallpox and other diseases, as well as restricting nutrition. They were doing the same thing to many healthy infants and adults before performing arm-to-arm -arm inoculation using smallpox pus, a procedure called variolation. How many died of smallpox back then? Because doctors insisted on limiting food intake, bleeding and purging them until they had little strength left to heal. There is no question that cowpox inoculation was legendary for its ability to cause severe reactions, disability, and death, which is also true for smallpox vaccine, still given to some soldiers today. With missionary zeal, Jenner and his medical colleagues ignored the protests and pleas by mothers and fathers who watched once healthy infants and children get inoculated and be covered with open sores while their feverish bodies became riddled with inflammation and their hearts and brains were permanently dam damaged with an unknown number of them wasting away and dying within a few days or weeks or months of vaccination. Still, Jenner eventually was able to persuade influential doctors, especially those heading up the new profession of public health funded by governments to use arm-to-arm -arm inoculation to infect all healthy children with cowpox. Somewhere along the way, a new animal-human hybrid vaccinia virus emerged, which scientists today argue could be part cow or part horse. Nobody seems to know for sure, but routine inoculation with the live vaccinia virus was described in early medical journals as humanized vaccination. Even in the 18th century, it was known that recovery from smallpox gave a person what appeared to be lifelong immunity to the dreaded disease. Jenner considered himself to be a scientist 
and his unshakable belief that scratching cowpox pus into the arms of children conferred dur durable immunity to smallpox was eventually shown to be a myth. In fact, by 1880, the evidence confirmed that Jenner was wrong. Vaccination did not confer permanent immunity. Smallpox outbreaks were occurring in England despite compulsory vaccination laws, just like pertussis, mumps, measles, and polio outbreaks today occur despite widespread vaccination laws. U.S. industrialist and philanthropist John Pitcairn pointed out that when he testified before the Pennsylvania legislature in 1907 against mandatory smallpox vaccination. He said, quote, Jenner began by claiming that vaccination made a person immune for life. But the facts of observation soon resulted in the term being shortened to 14 years. Then it was made seven, then five, then two. And in the Spanish-American War, six months, was a limit of immunity, end of quote. Not only did smallpox vaccination not provide lifelong immunity, but live vaccinia virus vaccination could spread vaccine strain infection to other people. The myth that vaccination is a sure guarantee of immunity is a persistent bit of disinformation about vaccines that has been used by the vaccinators for two centuries to justify public health policies, enforcing the purchase and use of multiple doses of the same vaccines, including COVID vaccine. In 2020, that old myth played a key role in billions of people around the world believing the lie that COVID vaccine would guarantee that vaccinated people could not get infected with or transmit SARS-CoV-2. After declaring a coronavirus pandemic emergency in 2020, the vaccinators at the World Health Organization sent out a press release proclaiming that because of smallpox vaccination campaigns, quote, the world got rid of smallpox thanks to an incredible demonstration of global solidarity and because it had a safe and effective vaccine. They said solidarity plus science equaled solution. But the ugly truth about the history of vaccination is that for a century after Jenner's newfound fame, little children, mostly working class, minority and orphan children, were used to conduct arm-to-arm anti-smallpox campaigns that had nothing to do with science. Children were the preferred tools of the new trade because they were thought to be more pure. Their blood usually was not infected with syphilis, tuberculosis, and other diseases more common to adults at the time. Doctors at the height of the British Empire scratched cowpox pus into the arms of children living in the slums in England and physically transported them, sometimes in baggage holds, to colonize countries like India and parts of Africa so they could be used to infect indigenous children. Governments, as well as other social institutions, used the arm-to-arm vaccinia virus inoculation campaigns as political and social organizing tools, especially in poor communities. In 1870, during the Industrial Revolution, entrepreneurial doctors decided to mass produce the vaccinia virus by growing the virus on the skin of young cows instead of young humans. They called the new product an animal vaccine. 
vaccine animal farms populated by calves sprouted up all over Europe and America to make the new vaccine trade more profitable for chemical companies and doctors alike. But there was little safety regulation of the virus being grown in calves that doctors were scratching onto the arms of infants and children who risked suffering high fevers, encephalitis and brain damage, full body eczema vaccinatum that looks a lot like smallpox, and the lethal progressive vaccinia, which can lead to bacterial superinfection and death within weeks or months of vaccination. After nearly two centuries of mass vaccination campaigns, the vaccinators declared smallpox eradicated in the late 20th century, the first and only infectious microorganism they say vaccination has eliminated from the earth. But it was the more selective approach of quarantining the sick and targeted ring vaccination of close contacts primarily responsible for doing that. The vaccine safety concerns of 19th and early 20th century anti-mandatory vaccination activists like Laura Little, a Minnesota mother whose seven-year-old son died after smallpox vaccination, and British scientist Alfred Russell Wallace, co-discoverer of the principle of natural selection, were ridiculed by the vaccinators aggressively lobbying politicians to pass mandatory smallpox vaccination laws. Those pioneering thought leaders opposing forced vaccination developed legitimate scientific and ethical arguments that are still valid today. Yet they were ridiculed, persecuted, and discredited by the vaccinators protecting the politically powerful, very profitable alliance between medical trade, the chemical industry, and governments. Just like today, the vaccinators slapped the anti-science label on anyone defending medical freedom and opposing mandatory vaccination. By 1905, a Lutheran pastor who had suffered a smallpox vaccine reaction challenged mandatory smallpox vaccination. In a seminal US Supreme Court ruling in Jacobson versus Massachusetts, the high stakes ideological debate dominated by the vaccinators based on a utilitarian greater good rationale popular in academic circles at the time prevailed. The Supreme Court majority affirmed the constitutional authority of state legislatures to pass mandatory vaccination laws in the US. The vaccinators took that legal victory at the turn of the 20th century and ran with it all the way to the banks funding the global public health empire in the 21st century. By 2022, the global market for preventive vaccines was valued at over $200 billion, up from 34 billion in 2017, with much of that revenue guaranteed to multinational drug corporations by vaccination laws. And the global pharmaceutical market had become a $1.4 trillion business with the US population paying for and using 50% or $550 billion worth of all drugs and vaccines consumed in the world. Crippled by ignorance, blinded by hubris, for more than two centuries, the vaccinators have waged a war on microorganisms, insisting that the only way to win that war is to create more vaccines and compel everyone to buy and use them. It started out with one vaccine, targeting one organism. 
Today, the vaccinators have declared war on 17 more microorganisms, insisting every child be given over 70 doses of vaccines to try to prevent infectious diseases like chickenpox that do not come close to being in the same category as smallpox. And now they want everyone to get an annual COVID shot along with an annual flu shot while creating a long list of new vaccines for all kinds of infectious as well as chronic diseases they want everyone to take. Instead of spending money to tackle historic causes of poor health, like poverty, poor sanitation, poor nutrition, and environmental pollution, and developing effective ways to help people get through infections without suffering complications, the vaccinators continue to put all their eggs in one basket. Abandoning the precautionary principle to first do no harm, with tunnel vision, they desperately hold on to the 19th century vaccination paradigm and march forward in the name of consensus science and the greater good, taking down anyone who stands in their way. Vaccine products atypically manipulate the immune system by stimulating acute inflammatory responses in the body. But in an unknown number of people, that inflammation does not resolve. And nobody knows how many of the hundreds of millions of children and adults, with one in two in America now suffering with a chronic inflammatory disease that damages the heart, brain, lungs, joints, immune system, and other parts of the body, can trace the beginning of their poor health conditions back to vaccinations that begin on the day of birth and continue throughout childhood and during pregnancy until the last year of life. We've done what the vaccinators have told us to do for two centuries. The vaccination rate among school-aged children in the U.S. has been close to 95% since the 1980s. And yet today, the United States of America has the worst maternal and infant mortality rate and the worst life expectancy rate compared to other developed nations, while one child in six is learning disabled. One in 10 has allergies, ADHD, or an anxiety disorder. One in 36 develops autism. One in 150 has epilepsy. One in 285 is diabetic, and millions more are suffering with poor health conditions marked by chronic inflammation in the brain and other parts of the body. It is a chronic disease and disability epidemic that accounts for 90% of the $4.1 trillion in annual U.S. health care costs. Where are the large prospective long-term scientific studies comparing all morbidity and mortality outcomes in unvaccinated and highly vaccinated humans that parents of vaccine-injured children asked for more than 25 years ago? Where is the big library of biological mechanism science? investigating what happens to the cells and mitochondria and chromosomes, what happens to the microbiome and the function of the heart and brain and other organs when a pharmaceutical product containing parts of live or genetically engineered human and animal viruses and bacteria, plus foreign proteins, chemicals, metals, DNA and synthetic mRNA 
is injected into the human body over and over and over again. No two human beings are exactly the same. So where are the methodologically sound studies that explain how genetics, epigenetics, environmental factors, and other influences raise or lowers an individual's risk for complications from both infectious diseases or vaccination? Where is the real science that Jenner didn't know how to do, but could have been done by now, if the vaccinators really wanted to know the truth about scientific assumptions made when doctors were still slicing open veins and purging the life out of both sick and healthy people two centuries ago. Why have we accepted vaccination as the greatest medical invention in the history of medicine instead of holding the vaccinators accountable for what may be the biggest lie in the history of medicine. And even if vaccination is the greatest invention in the history of medicine, anyone with the power to force you to alter and risk damaging your body or the body of your minor child without your voluntary informed consent has too much power. Because if the state can tag, track down, and force individuals to be injected with biologicals of known and unknown toxicity today, then there will be no limit on which individual freedoms the state can take away in the name of the greater good tomorrow. If the last three years taught us nothing else, we now know it is time to declare our independence from the vaccinators and take back individual sovereignty our right to autonomy before it's too late. Right now we have an opportunity to free ourselves from the chemical chains that empower the vaccinators to change who we are, how we think, what we believe, and what we can and cannot do. But we cannot liberate ourselves from those very expensive chemical chains at the national or global level unless freedom of speech is restored to its rightful place as a non-negotiable fundamental liberty for all. Under the US Constitution, freedom of speech means you have the right to speak, write, and share ideas and opinions without facing punishment from the government. Freedom of speech has been muzzled in the US and many other countries since 2020 at the direction of the vaccinators controlling policymaking in governments and at the United Nations who have put pressure on private corporations operating the World Wide Web and media to end all public debate about mandatory vaccination. If the vaccinators have to resort to censoring freedom of speech because they are so afraid of what the people really think about vaccination, then they have already lost the debate. I believe Jefferson was right. The flames of liberty kindled on the 4th of July, 1776, have spread over too much of the globe to be extinguished by petty tyrants in governments and at the United Nations determined to exploit the people for power and profit. It is time to publicly question why mandatory vaccination has been made the cornerstone of preventive health programs since the 19th century when highly vaccinated populations are sicker than ever 
in the 21st century. Time to clear the way for more rational, enlightened approaches to maintaining health and wellness that work in harmony with nature, instead of branding every infectious disease as an enemy to be eradicated from the earth. There is really only one way to free ourselves from the vaccinators, and that is to eliminate one-size-fits-all vaccination laws. Like every other pharmaceutical product sold in the marketplace, vaccines should be subject to the law of supply and demand, and no one should be penalized in any way for making an informed choice about use of a product that can injure, kill, or fail to work, and is sold by drug companies with no liability when people die or are disabled by the product. In the US, most vaccine laws are state laws. And at the NVIC, we have been working with families and state legislatures since 2010 through the free online NVIC advocacy portal to stop vaccine mandates and electronic vaccine tracking systems and to expand medical, religious, and conscientious belief vaccine exemptions. We are committed to helping you protect the legal right to get a school education, receive medical care, have health insurance, hold a job, and move about freely in society without being coerced or sanctioned for exercising informed consent to vaccination. The years of hard work we've been doing in the states paid off big time in 2021, when every one of the 50 state legislatures in the US refused to mandate the COVID-19 vaccine. It was a victory that should not be underestimated. There has never been a better time to take action. So please sign up and take action at nvicadvocacy.org today and join this historic fight for independence. What else can you do? You can educate your community and participate in improving government at every level, from getting involved in elections for school boards, city and county councils and sheriffs, to showing up at the polls in state and federal elections. You can run for office yourself or make sure those who do run have integrity and are committed to defending civil liberties, including the right to make voluntary decisions about vaccination. We need to elect lawmakers who will call a halt to the pay-for-play scheme that Congress gave the pharmaceutical industry decades ago and stop drug companies from paying the FDA to cut corners and fast-track their exper experimental drugs and vaccines to market, like the notoriously reactive and ineffective mRNA COVID vaccine that already has netted Pfizer and Moderna a staggering $100 billion. We need a law to stop the revolving door between big pharma and government agencies so the vaccinators can't go to work for drug companies and then work for government and they'll then go back to working for drug companies whose products they were regulating and promoting when they work for government. We need a law prohibiting research scientists employed by government agencies in public-private business partnerships with pharma from holding patents on vaccines they create with drug companies so they can profit from sales of those vaccines, whether they continue working for government or quit and work for drug companies. The US is the only one of two countries that allows direct-to-consumer advertising by drug companies, which is why every other ad on TV is selling prescription drugs and promoting vaccines. We need a law that unhooks 
mainstream media from their pharma paymasters. So the media has more incentive to tell the truth instead of spewing out disinformation produced by the vaccinators. We need Congress to restore the civil liability provisions that were originally in the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act when it was passed in 1986, holding negligent doctors accountable for medical malpractice and holding drug companies liable for defectively designed vaccines. It is shameful that the historic law, which acknowledged that government licensed and recommended childhood vaccines can cause injury and death, was gutted after it was passed by weakening amendments and rulemaking by federal agencies that eliminated many of the vaccine safety, liability, and federal compensation provisions that parents had worked so hard to secure in it. We need Congress to conduct an investigation into and overhaul operation of the Department of Health and Human Services, including taking away oversight on vaccine safety and funding of public health research priorities and putting it into an independent agency that reports directly to Congress. We need state legislatures to stop mandating vaccines and stop creating electronic vaccine tracking systems lacking informed consent protections and stop passing laws that allow doctors to pressure young children to get vaccinated without the knowledge or consent of their parents. We need elected state representatives to take back their power to make public health law instead of turning over that power to unelected employees working in the public health departments. And we need laws prohibiting doctors from denying medical care to children and adults solely based on their vaccination status. There is a lot that can be done to break the chemical chains that tie the people to the vaccinators from the day of birth to the last year of life. But only if we stop taking our freedom for granted and expecting someone else to do it for us. You have the God-given right to autonomy, the right to protect the biological integrity of your body and that of your minor child. You have the natural right to exercise freedom of thought and use your gut instincts, mother's intuition, and common sense when making a benefit risk decision about taking a medical risk. Don't be afraid to say no to a doctor or anyone pressuring you to take a vaccine or give your child a vaccine you do not consider to be safe or effective. You have the civil right to exercise freedom of speech. Don't be afraid to talk to your family, friends, and lawmakers about why you think it is important to defend freedom of speech and the ethical principle of informed consent to medical risk-taking, which includes vaccine risk-taking. We can all do something every day, no matter how big or small, to protect the beating heart of liberty. Contact NVIC and join the revolution. Make a donation, take action, be the one who never has to say, you did not do today what you could have done to change tomorrow. It's your health, your family, your choice. And our mission continues. No forced vaccination, not in America. Before you take a risk, find out what it is. To learn more about vaccines, diseases, and the human right to informed consent, 
visit mvic.org, the website of the nonprofit charity, the National Vaccine Information Center. Since 1982, MVIC has worked to prevent vaccine injuries and deaths through public education and to secure informed consent protections in U.S. vaccine policies and laws. Visit mvic.org and mvicadvocacy.org to get well-referenced vaccine information that you can trust and share with your family, friends, and members of your community. It's your health, your family, your choice.